And I'm Donna Carter. And you're listening to Grow on the Go. This is really the first time we've seen each other since Easter. Well, we didn't even see each other at Easter. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Tell the story. <laughs> My mother forgot to invite me for Easter dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Well, your mother and father. And my father, yes. And my father. And the thing is, I thought your father had, which is why I didn't. And then <laughs> when you didn't show up and we texted you and said, are, are you, you on your way? And I just I just responded with a, which, by the way, makes me panic because I was like, to what? What? And then I was like, oh, it's Easter weekend. They didn't tell me about Easter. We haven't talked about this. So I just responded with a question mark, and then I got a phone call. I was like, oh, no. I feel so badly. You don't need to feel badly. I'm introverted enough that I didn't mind, and I was... I'm I'm working a lot right now, and I was catching up on some work anyway. Well, and had it been a normal time of life, you would have... Assumed we were getting together for Easter, but with COVID, you yeah, never I kind really of know, just, right? I just kind of assumed we weren't, and also, I also I might not have assumed. I I never know what day it is anyway. Oh, every day is Blur's Day. Well, I mean, even outside the pandemic, I have no idea where I am <laughs> or what's happening or why we're why I'm wearing pants. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Clearly, you were planning to go out if you're wearing pants. Well, you'd think so, but sometimes I do things. Sometimes I find myself in a room and I'm like, I don't remember making the decision to be here. I don't remember no, why I'm yeah, here. Oh, I do that, too. I don't like, remember. Why, why am I here? I was coming here to get something. What in the world was that? I don't that? even have that. I don't even have the presence of mind to be like, I came in here with a purpose. It was, did I have a purpose? <laughs> Did I make this Was decision? I conscious yeah. when I walked in? Am I okay? Do I need to see a doctor? Anyway, yes. Yes. Probably several times that. for several things. Several uh, specialists. Well, we are coming up to Mother's Day here. And yes. uh, it's appropriate. You should, you know, beat me over the head with the fact. Okay. I forgot to invite you to Easter I didn't dinner. beat you over the head. But what's the point of having a podcast with your mother if you can't embarrass her? <laughs> to be clear. I did ask if it was okay if I talked uh, yes, about it because I do did. I do think you it's did. quite funny. And we felt so. Oh uh, no, it's very funny to me, and yeah. I won't ever let you live it down. But it mm, is it doesn't yes. hurt my feelings, and it does make me laugh quite a bit. Yeah, okay, good. And it's very funny. Uh, I mean, being a mother just comes with a lot of guilt. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yep. it does. It does. And I'm not sure if all mothers think as much as I do about what they regret about the mistakes they've made in mothering, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I didn't listen as much as I should have. I know I didn't ask insightful questions when I should have. I think sometimes I tried to control your behavior instead of trying to understand it. I think more than anything, expression rather than behavior. In my case. What do you mean by that? The way I dressed, the way the colors I would color my hair. Uh, Yeah. There was a lot of input there that I think now you'd be like... Whatever, yeah, doesn't whatever. matter. Yeah, I, I just, I didn't understand what it meant, and that yeah. was what worried me. Yeah. Because you went very quickly from being this little girl who wore pink all the time and loved everything feminine to suddenly 
um, being quite almost goth, like quite dark. Yeah, uh, yeah. and that was really, <laughs> puberty came at me pretty fast <laughs> and hard. Yeah, and that was scary. That yeah, was scary for, for sure. me for sure. Anyway, but um, I yeah, I wish I'd asked more questions. I wish I had. Um, really tried to understand what was going on with you. Uh, I mean, I was trying to understand, but I didn't go. I didn't go about it in a in a good way. So, I think that mothers know instinctively that mothering is the most important job of our lives, and we desperately want to get it right. Oh, of course. Well, and the reality is, every generation of mothers is doing the best they can with the information they have, and in 10 years they will find out they did it all wrong. Yes, sort of seems that way. Yeah. It kind of does. The truth is that um, we all want to leave a legacy, Mm -hmm. a a loving legacy. And and the reality is we all do leave a legacy, whether whether we're conscious of it or not. Um, The the truth is you cannot not teach. Mm Mm-hmm. When I think back to the home that I grew up in, I can identify the legacy of my mother, Glendine. And one of the big parts of that was hospitality. And actually, the legacy goes back to her mother. My parents actually met because her mom always set the table for Sunday dinner with extra places to include all the students away from home, which included my dad. That's how they met. So, yeah. Have you ever noticed that the words hospitality and hospital have the same root. (laughs) Would you believe that I have? Of course you have. You're such a word nerd. I am. Yeah. I feel like when I was growing up, our home that I grew up in was sort of a hospital. From my earliest memories, people came and went and stayed just long enough to be loved through a crisis. Sometimes they stayed the better part of a day, and sometimes it was the better part of a year. I think early my sisters and I knew that there was something safe and maybe even healing about our home. And so when we met someone who was hurting, we brought them home. It was the most natural thing in the world to Mm -hmm. do. My sisters and I, uh, to varying degrees, have carried this on, this legacy of hospitality in our own homes, because our mom made that seem like the natural thing to do. Mm -hmm. I remember, and I didn't do it often, Um, Because I didn't need to that often. But I remember bringing people home. I remember a friend of mine in high school. She called me. Her parents were divorced. She legally had to live at her dad's house. Her dad had moved in with his girlfriend but legally hadn't changed his address or something. There was some weird technicality. So she had to stay at that house. With nothing in it. I remember that And she called me and said, can I have dinner at your house? I have butter and ice. Wow. And so she came over. Um I remember that because she was a vegetarian, she was a vegetarian, but she was actually not a vegetarian because I made sure there well, was this variety of vegetables for her, and all she ate were carbs. <laughs> yeah, she she she, she didn't a, eat meat. She was a carbitarian. Yeah, which honestly, same. I would happily give up meat if I it meant I could eat unlimited, unlimited bread. Carbs? Yeah, I know, me too. Happily. Right? Anyway, um, and like I also had a friend, um, James, who was. Very flamboyantly gay and yeah. mostly dressed in women's clothing. And I, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and he knew both my parents were pastors, but I was like, no, it'll be fine. You're not going to be weird. You'll be fine. Everything's fine. And you were. You were very nice to him. Um, and and him, he, he wasn't like a, a hospital case, as it were. But I did know that if someone got kicked out of their house, yeah. I could offer 
I, I'd have to check with you, but I could offer. Right. Yeah. Right. I remember, too, going to a party where a friend of yours. Yes. Yeah. A friend of mine had gotten high, and she greened out, um, which is when it's sort of like overdosing on marijuana, but it's just a really unpleasant high, from what I understand. Hmm. Um, I've never done it. Um which sounds like I'm lying, but I promise I'm not. Um, <laughs> I don't doubt you. I know you. I know. I know you don't doubt edge. me. Yeah. Um, but the listeners don't know that. Um, at any rate, she got high and then at some point decided she did not want to be high anymore, and she was panicking. And um, some friends just like came and got me and was like, "Your friend, like, she's calling for you. She's call- she needs you." And I like. Ah. Okay, so I called her mom because I had her mom's number. She wasn't answering, so I was like, okay, well, we need to get her out of here. She's panicking. And so I called you guys and was like, hey, my friend is too high and she doesn't want to be. She needs to be taken home. Can you come get her and then drop me back at the party? And I don't know why it, I didn't. this didn't strike me as impressive at the time, but I'm very proud of you guys for being like, I jumped in the car with no shoes on because I was like, yeah, I'm going back to the party. We dropped her at her place, and then you took me back to this party where you knew there were drugs, and you were just like, all right, have a good time. We'll see you later tonight. So thank you for that. Well, we trusted you. We knew, we knew that you were really committed to not getting involved in substances, and yeah. Well, and if I was going to use any kind of drugs, I wouldn't have called you. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> kidding. To be like, hey, come get my friend who's high. By the way, I am too. <laughs> I am also high. That's not what we're talking about right now. Yeah, no, I. Yeah. You're right. That that's mm-hmm. a great example. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember taking you back to the party, but I you mean, did. Yeah, okay. I had okay. a great time. Okay. Um, so getting back to this idea of you cannot not teach. So my mom's my mom's mom taught her to mm-hmm. um, use use what's the word to. Display. Hospitality, sure. Let's go with that. Um, Be hospitable. My mom was hospitable um, to probably a lesser degree. I I modeled that as well. And you cannot not teach. Mm -hmm. And, And because of that rather intimidating truth, mothers need to be really intentional and very aware of what it is that they are teaching, what we are teaching. Mm -hmm. I'm still a mother. Um, although my primary job is done, I think. Well, uh, <laughs> jury's out. You still feed um, me. You mm-hmm. still talk me down when I'm having panic attacks. <laughs> when I'm panicking because I don't have the bedding, I want to sleep on that. This is a long story, mm-hmm. but yeah. you, you still drop it by and uh, just don't even go there. It, it's it's great. Um, you know, when you think about what mothers teach, it's great if we get through to our kids mm-hmm. the importance of flossing and brushing. But it's certainly not the most important thing, not by a mile. And obviously, those of us who have a personal relationship with Jesus, we want that for our children more than anything else. And we cannot not teach. Mm-hmm. So how can we be sure that our legacy extends beyond just the mechanics of life? Well, in Deuteronomy 11, Um, God has been telling the Israelites the moral boundaries that he's set out for them to live within and how life within them is the most fulfilling way to live. And then in verse 19, he says this, Place these words on your hearts. Get them deep inside you. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. That's not really a thing anymore, and I'm not sure how you attach things was, to your forehead. Well, and also, like, what do you, you're not going to see it on your forehead. <laughs> it's on yeah, your well, forehead. Th- there is an explanation for that that the um, um, Pharisees use, but the, okay. we're not going to well, get anyway. into that. <clears throat> but uh, that was a thing back then. Um, and then he goes on to say, 
teach them to your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street, talking about them from the time you get up in the morning until you fall into bed at night. So there probably isn't a mother listening to this that doesn't have ample time to teach as uh, along the street or along the road, as, as this verse said. Likely not walking <laughs> like they were back then, but think about all those minivan moments when the natural occurrences of life provide the opportunity to have a really important conversation that has significance beyond what's going on right now. We can capture those teachable moments by teaching spontaneously. But we also need to teach strategically. For 11 years, my husband Randy was a youth pastor, and I I vividly remember one evening meeting with the student leadership team in in our home. Randy had asked the kids to share a time when they knew that God had specifically answered one of their own prayers. The room grew really quiet while the kids thought, and it stayed silent until it eventually became apparent that not one of these cream-of-the-crop high school students could remember a single answer to their own prayer. And I remember thinking, that's so sad. Not one of these kids has built a faith on their own history with God. Mm -hmm. For them, it was all hearsay. And let's face it, hearsay is just not going to cut it when, when the road gets rough. As a young mother, I didn't want that for my own kids, and I started praying for a strategy to help you and Kendall make your faith your own. And then one day in my quiet time, I came across Psalm 78, 3-7. Why don't you read this, Kev? Sure. We will not hide these truths from our children, but will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. We will tell of his power and the mighty miracles he did, For he issued his decree to Jacob, he gave his law to Israel, he commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children, so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, that they in turn might teach their children, so each generation can set its hope anew on God. So reading this in my quiet time, I felt like God had pretty much clubbed me over the head and said, here it is, this is the strategy you're praying for a strategy to help your children build their own history with God. And in my writer's um, (laughs) brain, brain, struggling with the word brain, (laughs) Brain. hilariously, (laughs) I came up with an outline right there, and it's play, pray, pay. First of all, play the home movies. Recall those things, those times where God has uh, intersected with our family. Pray with expectation and finally pay attention to when God answers those prayers. Mm -hmm. Verse 3 and 4 of this passage talk about the importance of telling the next generation about how God has intersected the life of our families. So we play the home movies by reminding our kids about those kinds of times. For more than 27 years now, our family, which now, I mean, financially is only your dad and me. Yeah. Um, But for 27 years, our family has lived off what is known as a faith ministry. And that really just means that on paper, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? We shouldn't be able to receive a paycheck for a predetermined amount every month. And often in the early years of STM, the name of our our ministry, um, there wasn't enough money to pay our salary the day before payday. 
But on payday, it's always there. Every pay period for 27 years, there has always been enough to pay our full salary. And I don't know if you remember this, Kent, but we reminded you often saying, how cool is that, <laughs> that God lets us live this way? I don't remember that, but I remember thinking we were quite poor. So I assume that's where that came from. <laughs> so Maybe. some unintended consequences there, because I did have some money anxiety growing up. Oh, but very No, 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 that. it's okay. I mean, when you're a pastor's kid, I I think, even if you're employed at a church, I think you know that, like, money's yeah, a little We're tight. not at the top of the food chain. No, my Money's a little tight. We never wanted for, well, Kendall and I certainly never wanted for anything. We always had what we needed and most of the things we wanted. So, we well, and it was so that. cool how God provided even things like, like uh, piano lessons for mm-hmm. you guys and um, a, a car. A, a, mm-hmm. a, we got, someone gave us a brand new vehicle once when we weren't sure how we were going to get to the same, the next speaking engagement yeah. on the old cars we had. Um, yeah, God has been amazing to us that way and so um we need to play the whole movies of all the times that god has um come through for us in amazing ways and i feel like having having worked for a faith ministry just put us in a position to see god respond um in ways that people who have a really secure you know Full paycheck, not yep. full, but you know, like a big paycheck, a comfortable paycheck. Mm, yeah, never need to, never need to even think about. It. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, we play the home movies, and then we teach our kids to pray with expectation. God wants us to invite His intervention into our lives, and then to pay attention and encourage each other and honor Him when He comes through for us. We need to pray expectantly for our kids. Since you guys were little, I've covered every area I could think of with prayer. I, I especially prayed for your your vision and your teeth because I, I didn't know how we would ever <laughs> afford glasses or braces. My vision and my teeth, for the most part, were fine until I left home and stopped taking care of my teeth. I, and, and I quit praying because it wasn't my problem anymore. <laughs> I've got vision. Uh, and, and so we need to pray for our kids, but we also need to pray over our kids so that they know that what's important to them is important to us. Through prayer, we can acknowledge their fears, their potential, and their day-to-day struggles. And we need to pray with our kids. We, we used to pray with you girls for many things, including the Compassion Kids we sponsored. We prayed for the persecuted church. <clears throat> so I don't know if you remember the story. I'm... Um, you were really small, and we were praying for the persecuted church in Pakistan. Do you have any memory of this at all? No, but I'm looking at <clears throat> I'm looking at your notes, and it sounds like something I would say. <laughs> I have no memory of it. It was though. so great. Um, so we were praying for these Christians in Pakistan, and you said to me, "Why are Why are these people so mean to the Christians?" And I said, well, Satan hates Christians, and he whispers evil ideas into the minds of people who obey him. And you looked very thoughtful for a moment, and then you came up with a very practical solution. (laughs) Which is not typical for me. You said, I'm going to pray that Satan would become a Christian. (laughs) You said it so triumphantly. And then you said, said, like, nobody's ever thought of this before, and maybe nobody has. And you said, that would solve a lot of problems. And yes, it would. It would solve pretty much all of the problems. (laughs) Almost all of the problems. And I howled, but you had a point. I mean, (laughs) I don't think your theology was great, but your your logic was good. Yeah, the logic is good. Well, uh, yeah. 
The first time I tested this play, pray, pay strategy with Kendall, we saw a miraculous healing. And I've talked about that before, so I'm not going to go into that today. But I went out and bought a notebook with this shiny metallic cover where we recorded Kendall's first ever just for her miracle. The next entry into her miracle book, Kendall's miracle book, happened when she was in grade two or three. She came home from school just devastated because she'd learned that her best buddy at school, a little girl named Megan, was moving away. Her parents were getting a divorce and her mom couldn't afford to keep the house where they were living, which was only about two, pardon me, two blocks away from ours. Well, my mind immediately went back to when I was in grade five and heard the news that my best friend Sonia's parents were getting a divorce and she had to move to Lethbridge. I played the whole movie by telling Kendall the story, how Sonia and I were so devastated when we learned that her mom wanted to move, was determined to move to a city about two hours south of where we were. I couldn't bear the thought of not seeing her every day, and we mourned and we prayed. And then the house across the street from the house I lived with, in with my parents, went up for sale. My bedroom window looked out over that brown bungalow, and I remember the day that Sonia and I knelt at that window and asked God if Sonia could live in that house instead of moving to Lethbridge. Our next logical step, of course, was to march up to the door of the house and find out the specs. (laughs) Can you imagine what this homeowner thought when these two 12-year-old girls showed up to talk real estate? Tell me about this house, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like how many bedrooms? Is the basement developed? Oh, hilarious. Uh, But we knew we had to have some ammo if we were going to convince Sonia's mom, Bonnie, to move six blocks within a city she wanted to get out of. (laughs) Oh, Well, the house, it turned out, was all wrong for Bonnie and her girls. It didn't have enough bedrooms. It had no basement development. And, you know, one other little detail, it wasn't in Lethbridge. But somehow I just knew it was meant for Sonia and her family. Well, Bonnie bought the house and they moved in. And living across the house, uh, the street from our house meant that Sonia became part of our family. When she wasn't at my house, then I was at hers. And living so close to my family meant that when I went to church, Sonia went to church. And when I, my parents dragged me to girls club, which I hated, I dragged Sonia to girls club. And if I went to Bible camp, so did she. And that's how Sonia learned to love God with her whole heart. She grew a strong faith and eventually uh, fell head over heels in love with a young man named Brian. Brian and Sonia married and had three sons one of whom is now Kendall's husband, Mike. But that's part of another amazing story. And if you want to hear it all, then you can go on my website and order my book, Friend Me. And if you're if you're new here and you, and you don't have all the context, Kendall is my sister slash yes. mom's other daughter. Yes, my, so. my older daughter. Yes, yeah. elder. And you know, to this day, I don't know what went on in Bonnie's mind to no. cause such a radical shift in plan uh, that she'd buy that bungalow. But I believe it had something to do with childlike faith and a great God who loves to give good gifts to his children. And certainly my friendship with Sonia was a a phenomenal gift to me uh, through all my growing up years. As I told Kendall this story, I, I watched the faith and hope grow in her eyes as I played the home movie. And then we prayed expectantly that her friend Megan, like Sonia, wouldn't have to move away. And that somehow God could use the influence of our home in Megan's life the way he had in Sonia's life. Well, a few weeks passed, and then we got the news. 
Megan's mom had found a border to help pay the mortgage and make it possible for them to stay in their home. We claimed that miracle because we were paying attention. We prayed for it. And I helped Kendall record it in her miracle book. Kendall and Megan were buddies for a while, and then they went their separate ways. But a few years later, Megan renewed her faith. And because she still lived only a couple of blocks away, she knew where she could find find a ride to church and a youth group. Also, one very quick, very hilarious story. So the 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 caravan to youth would be I'd be in the car even when I wasn't going to youth for well, some reason. I couldn't leave you home alone, probably. That's Dad was, fair enough. Would have been away speaking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was in the car. Megan was in the car. Kendall was in the car, and the the twins, Sonia's twins, Dan and Mike, were in the car usually. One day, because we were all we all lived in the same neighborhood, and one day we were driving to youth, and we were talking about birthdays for some reason. And Megan goes, "Well, what about Mike and Dan?" And Mom goes, "Oh, their birthday's the same." And Megan <laughs> goes, "No, aren't we picking them up?" <laughs> oh shoot! You turn. Yeah. Yes, I do remember that. That was very funny. Oh, hilarious. Um, I, you know, I have lots of regrets as a mother, for sure. I definitely didn't get it all right. But because we played the home movies, we prayed expectantly and then paid attention to how God intervened in our lives. Both Kendall and you have your own history with God, right? Mm, Absolutely. So just really briefly, how has having that history helped you in times of, of loss and grief and doubt? Because he's never let me down before, he's given me small heart... That didn't feel small at the time, but he's given me small heartaches and heartbreaks and shown me that he can and will carry me through so that when I encounter the very big heartaches and heartbreaks... Which, which you've also had in I've the last had few years. recently, yeah, I know that he's not going to let me drown. I know that no matter how high the tide gets... To me, grief always feels like tide because mm. it's so nonlinear and it comes in and out. And mm, um, that's, yeah. Some days are good, some days are bad. When the tide eventually comes back in, I know I won't drown. Um, and I know, you know, the ground I'm standing on won't wash away. Um, and so his, his faithfulness through the heartaches that felt so big when I was a kid or a teenager and are now I'm like, okay, you were fine. You were never, you were fine. That the worst pain I've ever experienced is tolerable because I know I know God never will give me more than I can handle with him. With his help. Yeah. 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 We can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength we need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we write our own story with God, that history that we've built with him is there to replay. And it reminds us, right, as we look back, that God is still faithful. He cares about us as deeply now as he ever has in the past. And that he wants to be involved intimately in each one of our lives. As the psalm, the psalmist puts it, in this way, each generation can set its hope anew upon God. That's the legacy that I want to leave for my children. And that's the legacy I want to invite our listening mothers to, to uh, lay out for their children as well. 
um, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember that we have a share show the last Tuesday of every month. Mm-hmm. And that's a show for you to save or to share with your friends who don't know God. And then follow up with a conversation mm-hmm. with them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, But that's it for us today on Grow on the Go. I'm Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter, inviting you to grow on the go. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com.